0: Well, a dud of an opening day for the Cubs here in 2021. They open up this new season with a 5-3 loss today to the Pittsburgh Pirates. And we want to talk about it a little bit um, have a little session here. It was a real rough game, a tough day at Wrigley Field. Uh, and one of us was at Wrigley Field. So Jeremy Spector out there at the friendly confines. Definitely want to pick your brain about the experience, being back in the ballpark, some of the changes. You know, I like the minutiae, the little things that have changed the ballpark year to year. So I got some questions for you. And then we've had some roster changes since the last time we were on. A couple of surprises, too. Tony Walters, of all people, a Chicago Cub. Who would have guessed that a week ago? Uh, Yet here we are. So, a lot to get to tonight on Behind the Yellow Line. Uh, Before we get into that, just a quick ask of you if you're on Twitter, if you you like what you're hearing here on the podcast please please give us a follow at btyl podcast uh, you can find us there Randall's got some great content coming I hope on that twitter account but we would love a follow and uh, send in thoughts if you've got ideas questions trivia suggestions lots of good stuff there that we'd like to hear from you so at btyl podcast also want to thank Stan Miller he's been a great fan listener of this podcast for the last couple of weeks been fun chatting with him over the last couple of days here a great Cubs fan and a supporter of our podcast. Uh, But all right, guys, opening day 2021. So much excitement for today. And just sort of a lifeless effort from the Cubs at Wrigley Field today. Again, they fall to the Pirates 5-3. to Just two hits for the offense, Jeremy. Uh, The pitching, uh, not so good either. And there were a lot of pitchers in the game for the Cubs today. Eight different arms took the mound for the Cubs, who issued 11 walks. The ace, Kyle Hendricks, just three innings today. Three earned runs, three walks. And uh, Jeremy, from the very beginning, a two-run home run in the first for the Pirates. It was just sort of an off day for the Cubs at Wrigley.
1: Yeah. Not a good day. Uh, you know, it felt like every opening day I've ever been to in my life, it was freezing, very cold. <laughs> Their Cubs are playing the pirates and it just seemed like the Cubs can't do anything. And the C- pirates are just getting just some, a couple runs and next thing you know, you're sitting there on April 1st and it's freezing cold at 30 degrees. You've been out there for three hours and you're, and you're in the ninth inning and you're like, I don't know if I even want them to tie this cause I want to get out of here. It's so cold. But, uh, you know, opening off in the first inning, and my guy, Brian Hayes, already making the tweets angry. With, uh, <laughs> and 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 I saw that pitch later. I came back to look at it. That Kyle, I, that changeup, just right center, and he depot. And I was surprised, to be honest, when I was sitting there. I did not think anything was going to get out today. I did not think there would be any homer. So when he hit that ball, I was just like, okay, they're going to drift back on it and get to it. And it kept going and it went like halfway up the bleachers. And I was like, whoa, I did not think and this is two batters in. And it's like a Kyle, punch in the mouth. Yeah. And Kyle, he didn't like that first inning. I felt like that was it when the Cubs had runners on to get it. But Kyle, I, I don't know. Like he didn't have anything. The pitching to me really bothered me. That's what bothered me today. But I felt like in a cold day, the Cubs weren't gonna get much offense and they kind of did what I expected them to do. I mean, two hits is you would want more of that, but they had a couple of hit balls that were hit hard that, you know, but uh, it was disappointing. Just a disappointing day. You know, you you have so much hope for opening day. Uh, it's only one on 161. It was fun to be back at Wrigley, but very disappointing in that. And come on, too many walks, too many walks. That, too many that's walks. all I could think. All I could think about all game was just like and I was sitting there in the in the stands and being like, what? what is going on? Like, is it Wegner behind the plate? Just calling balls. Like, what are you doing out there, Wegner? We need to get down on the control. Like, that was my big beef of the game. Too many walks. Randall, what did you think? It was a sad way to open the season.
2: You know, I, in, in a way, I feel kind of fortunate to have not seen any of this game, courtesy <laughs> of uh, a full day at work. But, you know, following the game on uh, glancing at the app every so often, you can kind of get a feel for how the game's going. And as soon as I saw that they were down two nothing on a key Brian Hayes home run in the first, I said, boy, the energy's just not good today. And that uh, that held up. Uh, you know, Jeremy touched on it. The walks will kill you every time. And they did today. Um, yeah, I, I don't feel any different about this team based solely on today. But this is what you feared. Uh, no offense and mediocre pitching and losing a lot of games just like this. So uh, not great. Not great today.
1: Yeah, if yeah, you were your... a person – oh, sorry. If you're a no, person no, who was like a pessimist on the Cubs, this is exactly what you would probably have been saying, is like this pitching's not that good. The offense wasn't there. You know, that was the game. And I was genuinely surprised. I mean, we had talked about all spring training, about how Kyle had been struggling, but we had confidence in him. I was genuinely surprised at how much he struggled, so much that three innings in and he was pulled. And it was a cold day. As the day went on longer, I did not expect the Cubs to get back into it. I thought the offense – did what I expected it to do, but it was disappointing.
0: Yeah, and and talking about the offense, you get 27 outs today, 13 of them strikeouts. So there were just a lot of swing and misses. Uh, Javier Baez, 0 for 4, 3 strikeouts. Jason Hayward, 0 for 4, 3 strikeouts. Those are two guys that you're gonna you're gonna need them to hit this year for this offense to go. And at the same time, look, games like this are gonna happen. Every team is gonna play a game like this. But I think what what makes it uncomfortable is one, it's opening day, so there's a lot of hype and excitement and all that around it. But two, this is sort of the biggest fear you have with this offense: a ton of strikeouts, not a lot of hard contact. When they do get hard contact like that, Peterson. Uh, a sacrifice fly in the first inning it finds a glove so you, you have a very limited window there for something to happen you don't get the break and then you don't win the ball game and that's unfortunately how it played out and you got to be able to beat this Pirates team you're not going to win all of them when you play them this season but it, it hurts to lose a game that you're feeling really confident you got your ace on the mound it's opening day and it's just a thud from the outset
1: yeah I, I when I'm looking at this opening schedule you got three against the Pirates you got Three, I believe, against the Brewers, and then three against the Pirates again. Yeah, to me, that's like I, I don't want to put too much on it, but I feel like you you need to get seven wins out of there, at least six. Yeah, you know that's and to drop one already is disappointing. Um, uh, Randall I didn't see the game, and so Ron, you were watching. Yeah. So yeah. I have a question from the TV. That ball, I think it was Frazier that might have hit one. Uh, that Hap didn't get to. Did Hap have a play on that? Or not? I felt like he kind of maybe could have dove but he kind of didn't like it look and then I was surprised it split the two uh, of him and Peterson and the other play was uh Stallings I hit hit one off the wall I thought maybe Peterson kind of went back on that kind of poorly because I thought maybe he could have had a play at the wall but It, it didn't look
0: like a great read from Peterson but I don't know that he would have gotten to it anyway you know and it just it didn't look good off the bat when you when you have a ball hit hard to the outfield, you kind of look at the outfielder's body language and you see a guy like Jason Hayward and Wright, you get the sense he's in control. He knows what he's doing. Peterson looked really uncomfortable, but I think Jack Peterson was also uncomfortable because it was 33 degrees. And there was oh, probably yeah. a moment where he's like, God damn, why am I not in Los Angeles oh, right
1: now? That's you're talking about Hayward and bias having those seven strike or six strikeouts and over eight. I, I went into this game expecting nothing from them. I did not think they were going to hit in this weather. I, I mean, bias had a big at bat early on and I, he might've broken his bat in the first inning where he had the, after Peterson sack fly, uh, he popped it up. Yeah. Um at a two O count, I think. And I was like, he's just going to swing no matter what at this pitch. And I think he might've broke his bat popped it up. But then that was like the only contact he made all day that like that one pitch. I don't even know if he really fouled off pitches. Uh, he seemed like he was just swinging out of his shoes, a lot of sliders. How about one guy that came in and dominated the Cubs Uh, Dwayne Underwood, like he just came in and he got Baez, he got Hayward, he struck them all out, three Three strikeouts, strikeouts, yeah. And it was like, okay, why he should be in our (laughs) bullpen, right? I was like, Underwood's coming in. I'm like, all right, there's a chance for us to get some hits, and he just dominated the Cubs and they and the Hayward and and Baez were swinging out of their shoes against Underwood.
2: You know, there's there's the old adage: the ball will find you. You enter the game as a defensive replacement, and the ball is immediately hit to you. Uh, I feel like it's the same way you let a guy go and instantly he ends up on the team you are about to face and he ends up doing something to hurt you. Uh, Yeah, not great today. Like you said, everything is magnified on opening day. You're putting out a new roster. It's the first game of the season. Everyone starts zero and zero. And just to lay an egg like that, it it magnifies all all your worst nightmares about your team because it's the first time you've seen them play A meaningful game in uh, months and this is what they do to you so not great
1: yeah i didn't really feel like the pirates were all that great uh they got the nine walks they had or eight walks they had nine hits you know a lot they were obviously very patient i mean the cubs couldn't find the zone but they had a lot of runners in scoring position they could have really blasted this thing open and it, it, it they didn't really do that and i didn't think cool was like great on the mound I felt like we could have gotten to him a little bit I mean we did in the first but uh, it was disappointing disappointing uh day and to think that like you know how exciting it was to get out there and uh, what you know it was cold like I saw a uh, clip of Rizzo with the hand warmer in the dugout like you could tell those I I, hey I was out there I, I was by the end of the game I I was like frozen solid so it was a very cold day So I didn't expect much, but uh, it it was disappointing.
0: You know, I saw some criticism of bullpen management today from the Cubs skipper, David Ross. One of the criticisms that Alec Mills, who's sort of your, your swing guy or a guy who's supposed to go multiple innings, in a game where your starting pitcher only goes three innings, Mills doesn't get in until the ninth inning. So I saw a little bit of that chatter. Um, but something that I did like from the Cubs today, even though it was a loss and even though everybody except Mills in terms of the pitcher's issued a walk in this game, is a lot of guys got some work in. And there's a day off tomorrow, then you finish up the series Saturday and Sunday. And I just think it's good for relief guys to get into a ball game, pitch at Wrigley Field. I'm, look, I'm trying to find some silver linings in an otherwise ugly day for the Cubs, but I like that we got to see a lot of guys. And even though there were some walks, they got some work in. And I think that that's important this time of the year is guys acclimate to real baseball and not pitching in Arizona anymore, but in cold wintry weather on the North side.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, pretty much everybody got into the game today uh, except for Kimbrel. and even on the bench, like Duffy, Sogard, Marisnik, all gone to the game. Uh, I was watching a Sox game and, and TLR Tony LaRusso was talking about how he wanted to make sure to get everybody into action this weekend because he didn't want guys sitting out there playing every day yeah. in spring training. This basically the way David managed Ross managed this game from the bullpen is, was like a spring training game. Like it just up, like everybody was just coming in. I was a little kind of confused a little bit uh, at some of the decisions in terms of who he was bringing in when, like I thought it was a little odd that he brought in Brandon Workman so early. Yeah. Cause when I saw him warming up, I was like, it's like the third inning and Brandon Workman's <laughs> warming up. I, I was a little confused by that. And then for those to come in in the ninth, it was also a little. So some of the usage I thought was odd, but uh, I, it is good to get them all in there. I they. It's funny because we were talking like how we were kind of impressed this whole spring training by the Cubs pitching, how they had looked pretty good. And then they came in and they just walked everybody. I don't know if it was just a free. They couldn't get a grip on the ball, some opening day jitters, what was going on, but it was like they could not find the zone. And it was so frustrating to watch.
2: You know, depending on the, the conditions on Saturday, and I think it's supposed to be warm, much more pleasant on Saturday, warmer. Um, if the walks go away, we'll be more than content to say, yeah, yeah, it was, it was just the cold. It won't be an issue going forward. If the walks continue, then uh, we are probably going to predict a little bit of sky falling. So for, for today, I'm perfectly content to say, no, it was just the cold. It definitely won't be an issue going forward.
0: So a day off tomorrow, Saturday, it's Jake Arietta and his first start back with the Cubs against the former Rocky Tyler Anderson, a left-hander. So we'll see if there's a little bit of change in the Cubs lineup on Saturday. And then on Sunday in the series finale, Zach Davies gets his first start as a Cub. Mitch Keller, the 25-year-old third-year pitcher for the Pirates on the mound, he's a right-hander. Um, you sort of alluded to this a moment ago, Randall, but what are we looking for here the rest of this weekend? You'd love to get out of this with a series victory, of course, and maybe there's some options. Optimism, warmer weather, maybe the wind is not as big of a factor as it is today, and some of these guys on offense get some runs going and the Cubs get on the board.
2: Yeah, I, I you know, need is a very subjective term in your your first series of the year. But facing Tyler Anderson on Saturday and scheduled to face Mitch Keller on Sunday, like you said, neither of these guys are are pushovers. I'd argue Keller at the very least is better than Chad Cool, their opening day starter. You need you need to come out of this. I think winning two of three, and you know if if they win the next two, we'll pretend that they won on opening day. They won the next game, and then maybe lost the third game of the series. But I think you need to come out of the series with at least two wins. Uh, as you said, you're you're going to play 18 or 19 games against the Pirates this year. You need to win a high number of those, and to already have one of those losses on the record, it, it bodes ill. Uh, so for my money, I think you need to win the next two out of three, to whatever extent you can ever need to do anything in your first three games of the season.
1: Yeah. I think, I think you gotta win the next two. Uh, you know, this could be, if we're hoping that this is going to be a close division race, uh, if we're hoping the Cubs are competitive, so you can't blow opportunities against a team like the pirates who are expected to be maybe the worst team in the national league, worst team at baseball, maybe, um, So you got to come out and you got to, you got to fight these next two games. I I have a little optimism with the weather supposed to be warming up. I feel like, you know, that'll be a little bit better for the Cubs hitters. But to be fair to the pirates, like they're in the same weather. They're not in any different weather. So they're performing. Uh, They, they got a few pitches, their pitchers, you know, to hit, and and Cabrian Hayes absolutely destroyed the ball. I mean, it was like a batting practice uh, pitch, but he destroyed it anyways. So you have to give credit where credit's due. But, you know, you, I think, like, they need to take these next two going into Milwaukee, who had a nice come-from-behind win today uh, in the ninth inning into the tenth, which I didn't even realize, because at the game, it was like, okay, the Twins are about to win, and then they come home, and it's like, oh, the Brewers came back. So that was disappointing. But I think yeah. you want to take the next two. Uh, yeah.
2: Entirely anecdotally, I, I admit this probably wouldn't hold up to statistical scrutiny. How many times in the last four or five years has the wind been blowing in at Wrigley? And it feels like the Cubs can do nothing but hit fly balls into that wind that die in a glove, while the other team has no issue hitting big home runs. And again, I, I freely admit that probably wouldn't stand up to a, a thorough analysis, but it, it feels like it happens as often as not.
1: Well, that Hayes ball was, that was going
0: out. (laughs) Here's the thing. He is going to be in a, big time major league baseball player. I mean, he's already on his way and it's very fun. You take away the fact he's in a pirates uniform and it hurts the Cubs. He's he's a lot of fun to watch and he's a guy I want to see do well in major league baseball. And I was watching him today going, well, you think maybe in a year or two, the pirates will send him our way for Bobby Hill, maybe throw in a, another center fielder that we like, and maybe we can make that work again. The pirates have had some guys over the years that they've developed that have become wonderful major league players. And this is just the latest one. He's going to be a superstar. I think.
1: Yeah, he had – I looked it up after the game. I think the Pirates only had five hard-hit balls, and he had three of them. So he, he, he had a pretty nice day today. We'll, we'll
0: see how the rest of it goes after that. The Cubs host the Brewers. Uh, Randall, your team, right? Your favorite uh, other team in the National League Central. You're going to be out there Monday night, right? That's your grand return to Wrigley Field.
2: I am currently ticketed to be in the right field bleachers on this coming Monday night. Uh, I look very forward to being back at Wrigley. It has been uh, as long for me as it has for everybody else. And uh, to make my return to Wrigley in the, the world-famous bleachers uh, makes it even better. So, uh, hoping for pleasant weather Monday night, hoping for a good game and looking very forward to getting back to Wrigley.
0: I bet. I bet. Bring home a W. Um, I've got Rockies tickets Wednesday night. I'm looking forward to that just to get back out to a ballpark. The Rockies with an exciting win for them today over the uh, defending World Series champions and Madison Bumgarner starting that game for Arizona. So even though they're not all that interesting, I am looking forward to seeing him pitch uh, someone who's had a very good career, obviously. So I'm glad that all three of us have baseball experiences here in the opening week but you jeremy you had the best of them all i think even though the game didn't go so well you got to be back among ten thousand fans back at wrigley field for the first time since 2019 um just tell us a little bit about the day i mean it must have been pretty cool for you
1: to walk in those gates come up the steps and see that ballpark in front of you it was pretty cool it was interesting um it's just, it was just, you know, kind of a different experience being in Wrigley where there's only 10,000 people there. When they first put that on the board, I was like, oh, yeah, there's, you know, I, I thought it was even a little low because it just felt like there was kind of more people there. Um, I was a little surprised at, so the, the pod, I was a little surprised at how close all the pods were, like, because I was sitting and there was only like two, three s- seats in between all the different people. So, like, there was a lot of people kind of in, that and that was only 25%, right? So uh, I was like, there would you were kind of all surrounded by all people. Um, I didn't really get up a lot. Not, I don't usually get up a lot during a game because I'm usually watching the game. But today I was pretty much frozen in my seat, so I wasn't really getting up a lot. Uh, the one interesting thing is you can order concessions from your phone. So Randall, you got to get on that the ballpark app. You can both order concessions to your seat. I I, I think they deliver it to you. I know you can order it to your seat or you can order it while you're sitting and then go pick up your food. Uh, I think they don't make it till you get there and you have to like scan it with your phone and then they start making it but you can you don't have to wait in line. So that's an interesting thing. Plus you have to mm. go in each gate. Every ticket is assigned to a gate. So you have to go in at that gate and I think if I could from what I could tell, I didn't really walk around as I said, but from what I could tell, I think each gate has like its own kind of zone area and you're only kind of permitted to be in that zone.
2: I have seen photos of the exterior of the ballpark from this week. I believe they're labeled blue zone, red zone. Yes, and they're different zones. colors. And yeah. it's, it's like Randall's shirts. Shirt. Right. Uh, you know, I do own I do own a fair bit of uh, blue, red, and green. I'm, I'm kind of like a video game character. I just own the same four shirts in a bunch of different colors, just player one, two, three colors. Um, so, but, you know, that, that certainly makes sense that you'd be uh, limited to a, a certain entry point for the ballpark and the contactless concessions and – this is what baseball is going to be like for a while. And uh, as much as we talk about things like the, uh, the, the chain link fences that used to back the bleachers and the, the Classic. in center, uh, there's going to come a time, I hope where we we look back on this as a, another era of the ballpark surrounded by the blue zone, the red zone, and the green zone. People purposely spaced throughout the the, the seating and things like ordering, ordering concessions from your phone, because we are, Endeavoring to keep things as contactless as possible. This is going hope to be, that stays. This is going to be a, an historic era in Wrigley mm-hmm. Field that we are going to take note of and look back on. I don't want to say fondly because that that uh, romanticizes a horrible pandemic. But we are going to look back on this as part of history someday.
0: Yeah, I mean it's unique, and yeah. I'm. I'm glad that we're on the, the side of it, that it's ending <laughs> and that we're kind of getting back into normal. And, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. It happened in our lifetime and and we persevered through it. Right. And it's been tough for our country. No question about it. Um, but progress is being made now. And it, it'll be interesting to look back on this 10, 15, 20 years from now. Jeremy, I, I got a question for you, though. So you were in 222. So lower mm-hmm. deck 22. between 222, the Randall Sanders section the of the lower section. deck. Yeah. You're between first base and home plate. You're underneath the overhang watching that game on TV. And it was 71 degrees here in Denver today, by the way, I had my patio door open. The sun was shining. I could listen to the public address announcer at Coors field while I was watching the Cubs game, but I would think you were in a wind tunnel today because it was cold. You were in the shade and the wind was blowing straight in. That must've been difficult from where you it were was. sitting.
1: Yeah, And I, I would think you have uh, a little bit of experience with this because it's not too far from when you, when you are behind the yellow line, uh, standing room is basically similar. You're only, you're only like seven rows in front of that. So it, it, when I was outside, you know, I was, I was fine before the game. I, I, I was pretty much fine uh, most of the game, but when you got in there and you sat down in your seat, you could just tell that like coming up, it really wasn't that big of a deal walking and sitting down. You're like, okay, we're in like a wind tunnel. And, it's going to be cold the back because it's open in the back. Uh, you're under the overhang. You get no sun. So it, it was definitely not the warmest place in the ballpark to be. It was a little bit of a cold place to be.
0: couple questions now about sort of the, the day itself. And I was frustrated because as soon as it hit noon here in Denver, I had MLB.TV on. I'm like, come on, it's opening day. Give me a little bit of the pregame show or even the national Anthem. They didn't give me any of that. I didn't get it until the top of the first inning. Was it Wayne Mesmer on the anthem today?
1: No, it was uh, the guy they have that really holds it a long time. I can't think of his name. Vincent. Don Vincent. Uh, Vincent. Yeah. Vincent. Jim, ah. Is it John? I was gonna say with Jim Vincent, but is it John Vincent? It could be John Vincent. Yeah, it was him. He. So they had. They did a God Bless America uh, from <laughs> somebody. I think it was some. I think it was like a healthcare worker or something saying oh, it. Oh, cool. And I'm gonna screw up his name because. Well, I I in my head I keep thinking it was Enrico Palazzo. It was not Enrico Palazzo, it was Emilio something. But he did actually do a pretty good job. But I mean, but God bless America. We discussed this previously on the podcast, our feelings on these things. And then it was John Vincent, he did it. Uh, prior to the game, they did a little a memoriam kind of thing for all the Cubs workers who passed away over the past year, which there was yes. a good amount. I I they didn't specify how they passed away. But, you know, a lot of guest service ambassadors and those types. And there was some I mean, there was a guy that worked there for 54 years. Wow. uh, On there. So that was a thing before the game, Um, you know, and they they did that. And obviously they introduced the players. Um, I think I was the only person there to uh, boo a uh, cub and cheer a pirate. So that was interesting. Uh,
0: Wait, hold on, you gotta
1: explain that. (laughs) I gave Dwayne Underwood a little bit of props, and then they announced Tony Walters, and I gave him a big boo. <laughs> I had to do it. And I was like, "Boo!" I don't think anybody even realized what was going on because, like, it was actually—I was a little surprised during the op- the introductions how quiet it was. It was pretty quiet. I feel like only Arietta really got a big cheer. Arietta got like a cheer. Even the starters kind of got muffled cheers. Nobody else kind of did anything. They announced Tony Walters. Nobody said anything, and I just went with a. A boo, And then I was like, if anybody said anything, I'm like 2018, but nobody even said anything. So uh, uh, there was that. But, uh, you know, it was like a normal opening day from that perspective. I wanted to ask you, too,
0: we had heard just a couple of weeks ago before opening day that Andrew Bellison, who had been the voice of Wrigley Field, the public address announcer, was walking away from that post. He's pursuing a broadcasting career and did amazing work at Wrigley Field, Uh, um, part of this World Series era, being the voice of Wrigley Field. What an amazing thing. Also, interesting fact on him. He and I used to work for the same Independent league baseball team, a couple years apart, but he was with the Rockford River Hawks a couple years before I was there um, doing some PA work while I was doing then radio broadcasting. Um, But it was interesting. I was wondering yesterday, who's the new voice of Wrigley Field or who's covering it right now? And we got word at least through April a familiar voice is back, Paul Friedman, who had been the public address announcer 1995 through 2010. So a big part of our childhood in those years of going out to the ballpark. What was it like hearing him back on the mic here? I guess he'll be doing
1: all of the home games at least through April. It was interesting. Uh, when they when Paul, when Paul he first came on and he, he announced he was Paul Friedman, I was like, oh, Paul Friedman is back. Uh, he, a little early on, I felt like he uh, – Struggled, you know, finding his fastball as well as Kyle did. Uh, he had a couple little blips. He had a little issue introducing uh, Chad Noble. I believe he announced him as number fifty-eight, the bullpen catcher, number fifty-four. I mean, fifty-eight, Chad Noble. <laughs> that was that was a little interesting during the introductions, and I was like, okay, Paul, we got to we got to get it back a little bit. But other than that, you know, I, I was a, a voice to hear to re- reconnect with. Uh, in my head, it's all still Andrew Bellison, who's been there for you know the last ten years. But Paul Friedman, I was a little surprised that that he was going to that he was back there. And when, once he announced it, I was like, OK, Paul Friedman's here because I didn't know going in until he came on and said, this is Paul Friedman. I tell you, though, I hear that voice. Just Sammy. That's all I do. Th- when I hear Paul Friedman, I just I just hear Sammy
0: Sosa knocking the ball out on the Waveland.
1: I think Azteca Nachos.
0: <laughs> oh, that's yeah, classic. Nachos. That is yeah. classic. Um, any, any notable changes to the ballpark? Obviously there's things because of, of COVID, but you know how I'm always a stickler for advertising and new things that they try to cram into the park. I was able to see some visual things. They're still advertising on the field. The on deck circle has advertisements on it. The whole brick wall behind home plate may as well be a billboard at this point in time. It's come a long way in terms of its fallen a long way over the last 20 years but just sort of walking around the park looking around did did you happen to notice anything that stood out to you or was a little bit
1: different from 2019 as i said i didn't really walk around the inside of the park that much or even really the outside uh when i got i took the l down which is my first time taking the l in like a year you had that covid vaccine swagger yeah you're getting on the red line (laughs) i swagged on in and and that that is a weird experience let me tell you because taking the L to and from Wrigley without any people is extremely weird. Um, cause there's like nobody there, but so I got off the L I, uh, my gate was the marquee. So I had to go all the way to the marquee. So i walked straight to the marquee, met up with my friends. And then we went straight in pretty much. We didn't really walk around. None of that really had changed. Seemed that different. Um, uh, we went inside it, it hadn't really seemed that different on the inside. Um, like i said i couldn't we couldn't really walk around because i think you're only permitted to be in certain zones Uh, on sunday on sunday i plan to walk around a little more Uh, hopefully the weather's a little better and and really get an experience probably early on um i guess for the advertising i don't remember was that gallagher on the field there before down the line that was last year yep it It was one of last year covid things okay
0: so couldn't sell tickets it's like all right fine do what you got to do. Let's just get some games last year, but it's sticking around. And I know they're only at partial capacity. There's just so much that once they introduce things that are revenue generators, they're not going to take them out. So that's what kind of bothered me looking at the backstop, at least behind home plate today. I remember the Sammy era when it looked like the Cubs were in front of like a brick castle when they were batting at home plate. And now it's just ads, ads, ads.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I don't like advertising on the field. Particularly I that I don't like it. I mean, I don't like much of the advertising, but particularly on the field. That's like, I don't know. I remember once going out there. They like uh, they had like a fan day and they let all the fans on the field and a guy took off his shoes and he was like, this is hallowed ground. And to me, I'm like, this is hallowed ground. You shouldn't be painting Gallagher on the on the the foul territory next to the line. So I, I don't like that. Um, but other than that, it, ju- it just felt it felt like Wrigley. Um, it didn't yeah. really feel different. It felt like an opening day game, um, in terms of just uh, uh, just being cold, being at Wrigley. It didn't. It didn't. It felt like a Cubs Pirates game. I did not like when I was there. I didn't feel like there really felt anything different. There weren't as many people there, obviously. Yeah. But it felt normal. What, um, like I said, what wasn't normal was getting off, uh, and you know, a lot of people had kind of sauntered out earlier because one it was cold and the cubs were losing and there weren't as many people there so what didn't feel normal was when i was when you're getting out of the ballpark either not like trying to get out early in terms of beat the crowd a little bit not early in the game but like you know beat all the people or wait a little bit was you could just easily just walk out i went in the back of the l stop got up walked onto the platform and got in a car that had two people in it Yeah, you know, and and the only people came from the the car had two people in it. And me and my buddy who were coming from the game were the only people that got onto the car and there was nobody on the platform, really. So that that was really weird, (laughs) like not being in a crowded platform of a ton of people after a Cubs game that that kind of that was like I said, I'm like, this is the weirdest part of all of this is just getting on the L when there's nobody around.
2: We are we are also accustomed to certain things about going to Cubs games, the crowd, the timing, Uh, public transportation and all that the
0: odors certain
2: certain things there are things you
0: will see and smell when you're at that howard stop i was yeah Uh, it's all part of the
2: experience um there's going to be a lot of adapting to certain idiosyncrasies this year and you know these are the things i hadn't even considered about going to wrigley reduced ridership on the l and fewer people on the platform because of course you're you have 10,000 people at the ballpark instead of 40,000 things that I hadn't even thought about are are going to be little adjustments. But uh, Ronan, as you said earlier um, it's so much better to be adjusting out of this than it was to be adjusting into this just one short year ago, no matter how long it felt. Um, So yeah, it's going to be a different experience at the ballpark this year, but it's better to have a different experience than it is to have no experience at the ballpark.
1: Totally. Here was a personal adjustment for me and Ronan. You can mock me for this. Uh, is you know me. I I in the past had gone to games and and I would you know sit on my phone a lot and not really care much about it because I would get on and I get back on the L. I'd use my venture card to get back on the L. And so if my phone died, I just wouldn't care really. I mean it would stink, but whatever. So now I've i mean i'm sure you could still use a card but now i realized i didn't know this before is that they have uh i could do it on my phone now so i could i could do like a mobile pass so now i've actually had to be a little more with my phone a little more caring and making sure i didn't drain that entire battery because my battery was draining pretty good today so i shut it off in like the third inning <laughs> just to make sure turn it back on when the game ended just to make sure i could get back home well, so that wait, was wait an up. adjustment
0: I bet, I bet, because we had a prop bet going with our buddy Ryan and Ray about, okay, what inning the fifth inning you taking the over the under on when Jeremy's phone dies during this game. And we were texting in the first inning. I'm here in Denver watching the game. Randall was working. So he wasn't really responding. And then Jeremy goes silent. And I had a field day with it. I texted about half a dozen people. Jeremy's phone died in the first inning. He didn't bring a charger. Why does not he have a portable charger? He finally gets some juice back later on and I'm glad you were able to get home, but it's time to invest in a portable charger. I think oh, yeah. you need that handy at Wrigley now.
2: Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, if you're ever worried that you're gonna get maybe lost in the wilderness, uh, just cause you know maybe your phone dies or you get hurt, you can't kind of tell Ronan where you're going ahead of time. And when he has not heard from you for about 10 minutes, he will put out an APB to all possible <laughs> platforms. They will send, you, you will be enjoying your day, uh, camping, hiking, whatever, and you will hear the helicopters overhead Excuse me, your friend Ronan said you've been missing. We're here to take you back. Yeah, so it's a valuable public service Ronan provides.
0: I I look after people. You know, I I try to make exactly right. I like people. It's like if I don't hear from you in 15 minutes, I'm going to assume something bad has happened. So if you could send me a signal every 15, 20, 22 minutes, give me an AG that you're all good. Then I know everything's okay. Randall, I worry about you. I want to make sure you're okay, and I'm going to be worried about you Monday out there. You're going to underdress. It's going to be cold, and you're going to be shivering all night in the bleachers.
2: Uh, No, I'd actually like to point out right now the scheduled temperature at uh, first pitch, about 6.40 p.m. Central Time, Monday night, 70 degrees. Uh, So, Jeremy, I appreciate you being out there in the freezing temperatures so I don't have to be. Uh, If it makes you feel any better, there is a little bit of a chance of rain Monday night, which uh, could be interesting in the bleachers. Especially as umbrellas are no longer permitted in the park, in keeping with their uh, new security policies about what you can and can't bring in. But uh, as long as it doesn't rain, we're looking at a pretty, pretty pleasant night at the ballpark.
0: Well, also I hope it's a good how
1: time. How they handle rain delays? Uh, when I was been in the bleachers, they've made everybody like huddle down, you know, below, and they're not going to probably force people together. Um, although they had of, all, they had all the vacs the out there. All the vax workers out there were all huddled together, uh, healthcare workers, with Ryan Sandberg. Hopefully he was fully vaxxed. They sang the seventh-inning stretch together.
0: It was cool, and I was glad. You know, MLB TV is really good, like the first week, week and a half of the season. They don't get the memo to show the seventh-inning stretch, and every year I get – pissed off about it, because it's like, I just want to enjoy the opening day experience. Let me see them singing at Wrigley. They actually showed it today, so I was satisfied with that, but I will bet Saturday's game, they won't be showing the stretch. They're pretty good about missing those in April.
1: How was the presentation on Marquee? Uh, I You know, missing that, missing Boog's first game. Uh, any? I know they were going to move the score bug to the upper left. I didn't really see it, yeah. but any real uh, changes? Better? Worse? You know,
0: I, I thought Boog sounded much more relaxed and in the zone today than he was in spring training and not that he sounded bad in spring training it's just like you could feel him settling into it in the innings that he and JD were working together there's a really good chemistry brewing there that's going to be a pleasure to listen to they're going to work into a groove I'm a little bit less worried about JD being sort of pushed out I think that he's going to work well with Boog at the same time they had to cram Dempster in there for a couple of innings the game was really slow and it was sort oh. of a tedious. was a four-hour game today, and the Cubs only had two hits. So I don't think we really had an opportunity to see everything that Marquis has to offer. And and as we get into the year, we'll get a little bit more acclimated to that. But I was annoyed that the pitch count isn't always present. It sort of pops up and goes away. That's something that I just want to see. I'm thinking a million things when I'm watching the game. I'd like to have information like that in front of me on screen. Um, but overall, it it seemed pretty good, and I was I was happy with what I heard of Boogie. He just seems like he's warming up into this role now. And it's
1: really going to be good when he and JD, JD get going. Did they have a K zone over overlay on the, I, I kind of looked while. up everyone and I didn't really see one. I, I believe last year they had it the whole time. It wasn't up all the time, um,
0: you know, but it, it would come up and, and go away. And it just, I, I didn't have the sound up all the time either. And I was still kind of working through the day watching it, but it just, it felt good when it was on. It's just the play itself was, Brutal sort of a lifeless offensive day. And, and that kind of brings everybody yeah. down.
1: I mean, when you have how many walks you have, that just adds time to the game. Yeah. So and many. pitching changes and everything else that happened.
0: Oh. Um, Jeremy, I got to ask, what did you eat at Wrigley field today?
1: So this could be a shocker. I did not eat anything.
0: Terrible. Terrible. I First time back Sunday. at the ballpark. Okay. What are you going to have Sunday? Cause Randall, you know, I'm asking you next, but Jeremy, what, what's the plan? I mean, what's the first thing I might, you're I might try for an I beef,
1: eye beef, maybe a burger. I want a burger. I'm going to say a hot dog. I walked by a nice Vienna beef sign on my way out and I was like, Ooh, I should have gotten a hot dog. But I was like, I didn't really want to get up. I was like, I don't want to get up. I was like, I'm just sitting here now watching the game. I, I, there wasn't really like time to get up for me. And I, it, it was pretty cold in that spot. Yeah. I had a blanket on, I had like four layers on, I had a whole thing, and it was still pretty cold. I bet. I bet it looked that way. Randall, what's going to be the lead-off food on Monday night for
2: you? You know, that's it's hard to say. Um, it'll have a lot to do with kind of what the crowds are like among the, the concession stands, because I'm sure they're probably still working on some some uh, some business flow as far as getting the lines in and out as quickly as possible. Um, I will say, this is my first time in the bleachers in a couple of seasons, and the bleachers are the newest part of Wrigley. There are more concession options out there than you might find in the existing grandstand, and it's been a little while since I was out there for a game, so I look forward to seeing what's available and making uh, a number of good decisions. So, But I, I think I think <coughs> mandatory will be a hot dog. I, I don't think I can go back to Wrigley and not get a
1: hot dog. I wonder if you're allowed to go and I wonder if that'll be open and you know, these them. are,
2: these are all good questions and we will, we will find out the answers in time.
0: Randall, I, yeah, I, I mean, know that hot dog is going to be smothered in ketchup, right?
2: Uh, you know, me so well, Ronan smothered in ketchup with a side of ketchup on the side.
1: I, I like people around me got food. And so like, I, I yeah. they, like the people I was with went up and left and got food. And so I, I don't think they had too many issues. Um, Did did you hit any Although of the my, bars or
0: anything pre-game or I did post-game?
1: not. I did no. not. I, we went in. So, on your ticket, like you have like a it, a certain time that you can go in when gates open. So, like I don't know if it's different for other people or everybody's the same, but like for me today was sixty minutes before game time, and I think on Sunday it's forty five minutes before game my time. My
2: bleacher ticket for Monday night says ninety minutes before first pitch.
1: Ninety minutes. Sure. So I think there's different windows they allow people in. So, ours was 60 minutes. So, I I got there like 60 minutes before and we just kind of went in. So, uh, I didn't really check out any bars. Um, But yeah, like uh, other people, the one thing I think my friend who has the season tickets in her name, she, um, we get a 10% discount, I think, from last year for the bonus on concessions. And I think she was saying that wasn't working for her. So, that was an issue. (laughs) Of course. Tommy's not giving you your 10%. You know that. I know. Well, so she was like trying to get talked to, uh, Her ticket rep, or something, but uh, other than that, um, I'm gonna have to, yeah. So, I I don't think anybody, I don't know if anybody had any real issues. My friend, you know, had chicken tenders, my other friend was eating some fries, dad, beer, wine. So,
0: well, you guys are both fully vaccinated. So you've got that swap DNA thing going on, but at least you're on the safe side of things. I've got good news. Monday for me is round one and my, I will be fully vaccinated. Round two will be done just before my birthday here at the end of the month. So a perfect present there, but that means I'm coming home and I will be in the Chicago area, mid to late May, Jeremy, whatever tickets you have, just count me in, put them on hold. You know, I'm going to be out there. Um, definitely looking forward
1: to it. And I'm glad that you guys are able to enjoy baseball now, though. If they keep uh, doing it the way they're doing it now, homestand, pre-sales type deals, I'll try, you know, Randall, you'll have to let me know, but we'll try to get like a three pot out there.
0: We'll do a live pod from Wrigley
1: yeah. Randall live at Wrigley. A pod, but a That pod. would be
0: awesome. It's been a while since uh, all three of us uh, have had a chance to get out to a ball game at Wrigley. We were at Coors field here a couple of years ago, um, but it would be nice to get back out there and Jeremy, but I know you got the hookup. I'm eager to get out there as soon as possible. And it looks like mid to late may is going to be the chance for me to have a couple weeks back in Chicago.
1: Yeah. Hopefully things continue on. I had heard somewhere so don't take, so take this with a grain of salt. I don't know how true this is that, Oh, Oh, I forgot to tell you this. So the last booze of the day probably came when mayor Lori Lightfoot was out there. Oh wow. So yeah. Oh yeah. She did not <laughs> get a great, uh, ovation. Um, I had heard that somebody had, I, I don't know. I heard this from secondhand source, so I don't know how true it is, but like that there were warning about, uh, if the cases still go up that the city might pull back on, um, you know, capacity and seating so like hopefully that doesn't happen for when you know you're planning to come out here yeah but uh, yeah uh lori lori came out she didn't throw a pitch but the two doctors threw a pitch the uh the city doctor uh alice and the state doctor Nagomi uh zk doctor each doctors so with the proper you know but uh they each threw out the first pitch and they, they they were decent they were on target a lot better than dr fauci did um well speaking about booing On this
0: shitty day of Cubs baseball, where, of course, the Brewers and Cardinals both also won today, I want to tip my cap this evening to the great fans of a franchise that I do like, even though I don't care so much for cheap owners and low payrolls, but the great loyal fans of the Oakland Athletics, who did their due diligence today and booed the hell out of the Houston Astros for the first time since the cheating scandal. There weren't a ton of people at the OCO or the Coliseum, whatever whatever they're calling it these days, like but Ring they were Central loud. Oh,
2: it, it, has Central, whatever. it has been renamed something yet like again.
0: That. Speaking but of they Ramay, booed them loud, and I thought that was awesome. So um, good on you, Oakland A's fans. I hope you have a nice season.
2: Speaking of renames, uh, the ballpark belonging to one of my favorite teams, uh, the Marlins, they have a new name for their ballpark. They are allowed now, if I'm correct, Lone Depot Park. And oh not, only, not only is it Lone Depot Park, but the L in Loan and the P in Park are officially styled as lowercase because that's mm-hmm. the kind of very important thing that all ballparks need to worry about. So
1: well, I mean, can't
2: wait to hear Pat Hughes in tone, in his, his dulcet tones. Chicago Cubs baseball is on the air from Lone Depot Park in Miami, Florida.
1: I mean that might actually be worse than guaranteed, Radfield, yeah, or truest or whatever. Uh, one thing I noticed the other day, uh, some there was some online publication came out with their uh, team valuations, uh, each franchise what they're worth, and I thought it was a little bit interesting that like the five most valuable franchises, I think it was the five, but maybe I'm wrong. None of them had naming rights to their stadium, and I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, Yankee, Wrigley, you know Fenway. Dodger stadium, just naming them off the top of my head, but like none of them, none of them had it. And I was like, you know, the real, the real wealthy teams, they don't need to do that. Well, you know what I found funny about that
0: is the Cubs are apparently worth $3.5 billion and yet Tom Ricketts has no money. How does that work? Oh,
1: Cause they're the richest paupers ever. Like, come on. Like, I don't know. He, he offered for Anthony Rizzo, a five-year $70 billion contract. God. We I, will... I, I could not believe that number. Yeah. I, I would have yeah. thought that was like a three-year offer.
0: It was, I think the first one was 460 and then 470 was the highest. Then or was it 570, but it it felt low. It felt very, very low for somebody. And there's risk with Rizzo. He's 32 years old. Oh yeah. He's got a bad back or at least back issues. I I don't want to throw him under the bus bus that it's bad, but he's had issues with his back. And I don't know that he would get a hundred million dollars, let's say on the open market, but 70,
1: that felt a little bit disrespectful, especially if you can front load it that's making less than he makes now. So that's, that's a hard for me to see that's 14, what 14 million a year. He's making 60 and a half this year. It's hard for me to see. He's not going to, he's going to accept something where the average annual salary is less than he's making today. Right. I'm going
2: to, I'm, I'm yeah. I don't want to play devil's advocate necessarily, but I do want to say something Jed Hoyer said about these negotiations, I think is relevant regardless of what you believe is that, we're not privy to all of the negotiations. And he, he mentioned that it's important to not fixate on one data point. I agree completely that five years, 70 million for the heart and soul of your franchise is insultingly low. But I also think that we oftentimes try and get the full picture of the room just by looking through the keyhole in the door. And this is not to excuse Tom Ricketts, who, again, is uh, playing playing cheap when he has all the money in the world for this franchise. Um, but I do think sometimes we get one data point via what is put out there by one party or the other and we try and use that to paint a whole picture. I would hope that was not the Cubs' highest offer to Anthony Rizzo. I hope they came up from that a great deal. And if that is their only offer to him, then obviously that is ridiculous and insulting and they deserve every bit of vitriol thrown their way. My only thing is ever that again we we only get small pieces of it sometimes publicly and i think we try and paint the bigger picture with just those small pieces and i don't think we do so accurately a lot of the time but again this is not to defend the cheapness and if 570 was their highest offer then they deserve to be tarred and feathered every step of the way
1: yeah I, i would i would point out that um i it's with what Randall's saying is that it was reported as an, an initial offer that the Cubs were, you know, willing to move off of. It wasn't like a hard final offer. And that it was also reported that it was heavily front-loaded with the um escalators and on the back end, so opportunities for it to increase. So it I, I it wasn't just like a straight, hard 570. This is the offer. Um, and it was a negotiation. And obviously, Rizzo came back, and you know, I take stock and jed saying that they're very confident i don't think he would say something like that that we're very confident that we'll get something done if he didn't actually truly believe that and because you know if you say that and then it doesn't happen then that looks bad on you so i, I just don't believe he would say that and when you compare it to what he said about bias and Bryant, where he's like oh we've been in contact with them but you know we'll see how things go or whatever i i do think then something will probably happen with russo
2: yeah paraphrasing and, and Sorry, Jeremy, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, it's kind of been reported as like Rizzo broke off talks and he's not, you know, whatever, negotiating anymore. And if you read kind of the quotes and stuff like that, what it really is, is Rizzo told his agents that he doesn't want to hear from them unless there's like an offer that he would accept because he just wants to focus on the season. He never like told his agents, don't stop talking to the Cubs or don't stop negotiating. He just said, I don't want to be involved unless it's ready for me to accept it.
2: Uh, Yeah. And uh, yeah, as you said, Jerry, I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but Jed Hoyer, when asked about discussing contract talks with Rizzo, he was very pointed in his response. He said, I'm very confident something will get done. And I, as much as anyone, more than a lot of people, in fact, make a point of not putting a whole lot of stock in press press conference speak. But when asked about extending Baez and Bryant, he, he purposely said, that, oh, we've been in touch with their representatives throughout the spring. We've had some conversations. That's the same question about three different players. And he chose to give a very pointed answer about one of them, uh, which, as Jeremy said, he could have very easily not done and which he didn't do for two of those three players. So it would lead you to believe that perhaps they are still uh, negotiating. There are still uh, involved talks going on. Uh, And as Jeremy said, if if that's not the case, Jed is going to make himself look very silly. And again, you just hope they can get something done. Speaking yeah,
0: of I... cheap owners, <laughs> I got a, a little bit of a different perspective to take with that here. Um, and, and but, you know, let, let me finish the thought here, I guess, on Rizzo first before we shift gears on that. I do think they're going to work out something with him. Um, I think there's a decent chance that they get to the end of the year. He dips his toes in free agency. He sees he's not going to get hundred million dollars and ends up working something out with the Cubs and it ends up being okay. I would rather it get worked out before that though, just for everything that he's been here for. I do think he's going to be a competent big league first baseman turn DH over the next couple of years. And the DH is coming to the national league next season. So I think there'll be a role for him on the team. If they can front load that contract, you'll probably get more value than maybe year four or five of it, where you can expect a pretty big drop off there. But I think Anthony's going to come back and I think they're going to be able to figure
1: it out and yeah i just it, hope they get this oh sorry
2: if, right. it, if it goes that right. way we are probably all going to lose our collective minds like let's say that you can guarantee me that rizzo will test free agency and as you said he'll find that the market isn't uh quite what he wants and he comes back to the cubs justin turner of the dodgers spent the entire offseason mm-hmm. doing just that not signing and it was not too long before spring training that he chose to re-up with the dodgers I'm just imagining Cubs fans losing their mind throughout the entirety of that saga where Rizzo goes November, December, January and into February without uh, signing somewhere else or without re-signing with the Cubs. And I'm just imagining all of us sitting and twisting in the wind every day, hoping that he comes back. And, you know, as you said, I, I hope they get it done before that so that we don't have to endure that. But it's important to remember that whether he re-signs tomorrow, whether he does it in June, whether he does it in November, whether he does it in February, the most important thing is getting Rizzo back. So wait, wait for the story to end rather than trying to judge it in chapter five out of 10.
1: Right on. Yeah, I got to just go ahead, Jerry. Just to finish up on that. Um, I was gonna say, I I hope they get it done a little bit earlier because I I don't want to be in July with a trade deadline coming up with a lot of uncertainty yeah, of who's coming back, who's not coming back. I mean, they could, I guess you could trade a guy and resign him, but um, I wouldn't you know, bank on that. I, no, I wouldn't that, bank on so it much. either. I mean, like John Lester said, and as Rizzo commented on John Lester, he said he had to, you know, it opened his eyes to put, you could have a legacy in multiple places, but Lester said he never thought he would ever sign anywhere else until the Red Sox traded him. And then he realized, Oh, I can actually pitch somewhere else. So it, it kind of opened his eyes a little bit, but uh, you know, so I just, I, I kind of could see that though, more on like a bias. I'm, I'm hoping Rizzo kind of sells down uh, early uh, bias kind of comes around. We'll see though. I mean, cause he's kind of in a tough spot. I was looking at him. Um, he might be the fourth best shortstop on the market this off season. So like, that's not really going to be a great negotiating point and it's depending on how his season is. So I, I, I would think that would push him towards more resigning, but that's just finishing up on those guys.
0: Yeah, and we'll have a lot more to talk about that over the course of this season. Um, Really, to kind of bring things home today, I had another opening day question for you both. Uh, Jeremy, many years we've been out at Wrigley Field for opening days. We have frozen at that ballpark. I'm just curious. Today was probably the most unique opening day you've ever experienced, given everything you just talked about. Do you have a favorite opening day memory? from over the years, whether it was a win, a loss, a signature moment, anything come to mind as like a favorite opening day moment in your Cubs fandom of something
1: that you've attended. So I, a lot of these opening days have run together because they're just so cold. And as I said, they're all against the pirates. Um, I'm going to be honest. I think the one I had a couple years ago uh, against the pirates, I think 2019, <laughs> I was with my friend, the bleachers. It was. I looked back on it and it was like 67 degrees, but it felt like it was 85 just because it was so. It was a great game. I mean, uh, Lester got hurt with a hamstring trying to slide to home, but I think Cubs won like 10 to 1. That was yeah. like my favorite opening day memory. Um, there, Another good one was I think uh, 2016. I went to uh, Cubs, came from behind to win. Lester had to start against the Reds. Uh, it was a good one. Tom Ricketts walked by, and I, I did standing room for that game because I just went by myself. And I pulled up, and then I and I was with this guy who was next to me. And I, this is one of the funniest things I ever. Tom Ricketts <laughs> walked by, and this guy next to me I've been talking to all game just just like gave him this huge slap on the back, being like, "What's up, Tom?" And just like slapped him on the back as hard as he could. And I was like, "Oh my god!" He just like slapped Tom Ricketts as he's walking by us. It was pretty funny, but that that's a good one. Uh, you know, there's all other good ones that uh, I've remember, I remember going to a game with you against the Phillies when so they introduced Ryan Sandberg. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of them, are. are we've had great memories. Uh, uh, high school, going to a few. For sure.
0: Randall, any uh, opening day memories that, that you know, kind of jump out for you?
2: What few opening day attendances I have, uh, I don't think have gone particularly well on the field or even meteorologically. Um, so the best opening day memory I have is actually 2005, our, our senior year of high school. Yeah. And, um, I, I took the day off school that day. It, it was permissible. And what I remember is that prior to the game, Pat Hughes was doing a remote spot right outside the ballpark. Uh, and there was a bit of a crowd around him. So I stopped, I watched, and as he got down off of this makeshift stage to head into the ballpark, he happened to pass by me. And for whatever reason, he shook my hand and he said, And have a good time at the game today.
0: That's awesome. I remember that game too, because I had a media credential for that game. I know you guys were there as fans,
2: and that was Cubs Brewers. And in fact, you are correct. Uh, In attendance that day were all three members of Behind the Yellow Line podcast, and we were behind the yellow line that day. And one Ronan O'Shea was uh, on the field. And in fact, I'm looking at photos from that day, and there are some very zoomed out blurry photos. Of a young Ronan O'Shea um, looking up at us from the field. So talk about a blast from the past—16 uh, years ago, 2005.
1: I do remember cool. uh, Pat talking. Um, I remember I'm telling a story about Ronnie uh, Santo, obviously uh, uh, using an out of order, I believe, ice cream machine in Arizona. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny like it was out of order it said out of order and he went in there and pat saw him like come back with into the booth with ice cream pat had like gone into the cafeteria and saw the machine said ice cream out of order and he came in and then ron came back and ron had ice cream and he's like it was out of order and then he said that he saw like all the dying back staff like running to the cafeteria as like it was just like oozing and it was all over the floor and everything <laughs> ron just, like, just ignored this uh, out of order side Sounds like Ronnie. Um,
0: Lots of great opening day memories, you know, for me as well. I I remember particularly in the early 2000s, there were quite a few years, maybe like three out of four or four out of five years where my oldest brother, Sean, and I would go down to Wrigley Field and we kind of had a a thing. We'd hit the White Castle on Clark and Thorndale up on the north side in Edgewater and then end up down at Wrigley Field and and do our thing for the day. And then um, later on, I think maybe the definitive moment in opening days in terms of my appearances at Wrigley Field, probably Kosuke 2008. Yes, it was a game the Cubs lost, but that moment, losing in the ninth, Gagne on the mound, Kosuke, the star player they signed out of Japan, it's a bomb to right center. You knew it was the loyal fans because it was a gloomy day at the ballpark. It was raining. There were flurries, freezing cold. And that was just an awesome moment. And there was so much anticipation around that 2018, team. And obviously they had a wonderful season up until the playoffs. So that moment really kind of rings in my head because both of my brothers were at that game. Connor and Sean and I were down freezing our asses off behind home plate um, after the game ended up uh, in the neighborhood and enjoying things in Wrigleyville. But it was just one of those moments where seeing Kosuke do that was really, really cool. So I look back on that one. Sammy seemed to homer um Often early on, I remember him hitting a home run in 2002, Jeremy, in a game against the Pirates, if I remember correctly, that ended up being a Cubs loss, but it was just one of those games where it was cool to go to Wrigley a lot in the early 2000s with my brother and then seeing that Coast game moment in 08 was really neat. So I had many good I, times at, at opening day over the years. I feel like
1: I, uh, I went to at least one, maybe two with your brother as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember a couple of times, I remember hanging out sluggers with you and your brother Oh, I yeah. want to say probably like 2011 2012 ish whole cast of characters in Sluggers oh, yeah. those that, days <laughs> that 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 one day I remember I feel like there was two different times uh oh uh, but one day I I cuz one day I think with Randall we went I feel like it was, it was not happy to be
0: in that bar yes. that night
1: folks <laughs> right it and then crowded, I feel like we did a right? different one cuz that was the one where uh Ryan Braun had a little issue on the uh, L line track uh, a guy in a Ryan Braun jersey a uh, but uh uh there was another one I think we hung out Sluggers, and I feel like it was good was it also get the Brains or maybe the Brewers where the Cubs kind of came back and then lost it. Um but uh Well that was the
0: thing about today, you know, it can't be an opening day loss without a fake rally at the end right. of the game where the Cubs bring the tying run to the plate in the ninth inning. Of course, a couple of strikeouts ends the game, but that's like the thing. They they tend to not get blown out on opening day. There's always that false hope in the eighth and right. ninth inning before they fully always... break
1: your heart. It's always like 35 degrees, as I said, and you're always <laughs> like, I want them to score and win, but I don't want this game to go to extras, <laughs> but I'm glad so you had the opportunity to take it in here today.
0: Um, last question here before we break for the day and um, we'll be back either before the brewer series or at the end of the Brewers series, we'll kind of figure out what feels right for the next podcast here, um, but some roster moves just before opening day, we talked uh, what last Friday and some things happen that we weren't expecting to happen. Nico ends up being um, optioned to Des Moines, or I guess not Des Moines, the uh alternate site whatever they're calling it but he's starting the season in the minor leagues didn't break camp with the team Tony Walters one of the worst hitters in baseball over the last three or four years lands a spot over P.J. Higgins and I have to wonder how could P.J. Higgins be any worse than Tony Walters but with all that in mind Randall what was the biggest surprise of all of the last minute roster things that played out here as the Cubs broke camp and came north
2: uh real real tough between Walters and Nico for me um Walters is a little less of a surprise for me just because they never seemed completely comfortable with handing Higgins that backup spot for whatever reason. So really Nico was the bigger, the bigger and biggest surprise for me. Um, And with the benefit of hindsight, it's, you can understand to a degree why they did it. I know there's a big deal made of manipulating the service time. And I firmly believe that's a factor, but I don't believe it's the factor. Nico of course got off to that incredible start to the spring. And then if you look at it, Game by game, he tailed off pretty heavily after that. Really, I'm just surprised that they felt like he would be, he, he would get more benefit from scrimmaging at the ATS. And this year, the alternate training sites will play kind of an exhibition schedule of sorts against other nearby alternate training sites. Um, but I, I was surprised that even with him tailing off in the spring, that they felt he would be better served training as opposed to actually playing on the big league roster. Uh, But David Ross explained it, that it was less about Nico and more about David Bodie earning that role. But when that news broke, I, at the very tail end of our podcast last Friday, I was uh, in in utter shock because I didn't think there was any chance that he was not going to break camp with the team. So that's definitely my biggest surprise among the roster moves. All
0: right, guys.
1: Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say for me, um, honestly, my biggest surprise, I think, is Matt Duffy. I think I'm not quite understanding it. Um, I get, you know, he didn't really have like a big spring and he was around. He played a lot. Um, I I don't really see what he gives you that other guys can't um, like, you know, you have guys that can cover first base. If you need a guy that can cover first base or third base, like um, you can move guys around as well. Um, like, I'm pretty, I mean, I know Vargas hasn't played a lot of first base, but I thought Vargas could cover first base. Um, Bodie's played first base. Um, So that kind of surprised me, just having him on the roster. um, I I don't really see, I I, I don't feel like he's going to be here for long, but I don't really see where, like, where he's bringing, he hasn't really kind of contributed in years. Um, That, Nico, I was a little surprised about. I always thought it was a possibility he could be set down. I never thought it was like he was guaranteed a spot, but. I did think he would make the team because I thought they believed in his defense and his contact ability, which today is something he kind of probably would have liked to have contact ability after 13 strikeouts. But uh, it's not a huge shock. And and I, what you're saying, I feel like the service time part of it is like a benefit, kind of. It's something that they kind of like, oh, if we do that, we'll get also get this. Uh, where it's not, you know, uh, as Randall said, it's not the driving force. Uh, it's a guy who you got to, like we said, it, you, he's had 375 uh minor league play plate appearances. That is nothing, and none at triple A. Uh, Charles Schwarber, who everybody thought you know, you would think came up real fast, he had 670 uh, some odds. So, like, that is nothing. And he, he, it's not like he came up and took the he had a five some odd OPS last year. So, he's a guy who you could say could argue needs a lot of work it's not like Bodie Bodie crushed the ball in spring training too he didn't Nico wasn't like completely outperforming David Bodie so I understand wanting to send him down getting him some more work um and then I'm sure you're gonna bring him up Tony Walter Walters uh you know that's that's I would have thought if there was a guy they wanted to go get they would have go they would have gotten Johnson Lucroy who opted out uh or was released by the White Sox I think a guy who had been in the team and maybe that was a negative. I don't know that he had already been there. He performed better in spring training. He had some history of being performing, but uh, they went with Walters, who I guess, according to Bruce Levine, he's a left-handed compliment, but you're not much of a compliment if you don't hit. Yeah. So I, saw I, a lot I, of I Tony didn't really Wolters. get that these last couple of years yeah. in Denver. And I'm, I'm ready for Austin
0: Romine to get healthy. And look, it's no disrespect to Walters. It's just, I, I don't see what he brings that PJ Higgins doesn't bring. And either way, it's just you're buying time here until Austin Romine's able to play.
2: And uh, a little bit of a number update for those of you out there. Tony Walters is wearing number 11, which is kind of funny in retrospect, considering the off season. Um, but yes, if, if you do see him appear in a game and if you do, I apologize for that you will see him wearing number 11, 11 in your program number lower than that in your hearts.
1: Well, last time we were in Denver, I do believe there were some drunk Rockies fans yelling at us that if Tony Walters was in Chicago, he would be a multi-time all-star, multi-time all-star, just like Wilson Contreras. So now we can put that to the test. Tony Walters is is a Cub. Those guys claimed he would be a multi-time all-star like Wilson Contreras, that there was basically no difference, that Contreras was only an all-star because he played in Chicago. We'll see if Tony Walters is an all-star. Well, let me tell you, there were some drunk Rockies fans in lower downtown Denver today.
0: It was a hell of a time walking around the neighborhood. Um, I stepped out during the workday. I wanted to see the flyover. The the Rockies have got partnerships here with the Air Force Academy, of course, down in the Springs. So the pregame festivities is a really good time. And it was 70 degrees, blue skies. It felt really nice while watching you, Jeremy, freeze on TV here. Well, the Cubs didn't do a whole lot, Um, but that's a perfect segue. Uh, A moment ago, I talked about a cheap owner. I'll save that story for next time, but I had an opportunity to tour McGregor Square, which is basically the Gallagher way of Coors Field here. It's the Rockies development. And the reason why I mentioned it on here, McGregor probably rings a bell for you. Taylor McGregor, the Cubs sideline reporter, the plaza here at Coors Field is named for her father, Kelly McGregor, who was a former Colorado Rockies executive. So I'll tell you a little bit about my experiences in that plaza, we'll do that next time. But I wanna end with this. I've got one opening day bash i want to mention and randall this one's for you i've got one opening day boner that i want to mention here as we bring this podcast home so the opening day bash those of you that are still listening here god bless you first of all but let me say if you haven't already look at the home run that miguel cabrera hit today at new tiger stadium comerica park whatever the whatever it's called these days in the snow it was the first home run of the 2021 Major League Baseball season, 37 year old Miguel Cabrera hits it in a blizzard into the outfield. It was very, very cool imagery. We could say a lot about Miguel Cabrera. The last, the latter couple years of his career has been obviously pretty brutal, but a very amazing player in his time and an awesome moment here to open up opening day here, the first home run of the season. Now, Randall, for you, the opening day boner. If you haven't already, hop online, look at the nonsense the Dodgers pulled off today at Coors Field right here in Denver. Cody Bellinger thought he had a two-run home run over the fence in left field, putting the Dodgers, you know, two runs on the board. Justin Turner, who was on first base at the time, thought that Rockies left fielder, Raimel Tapia, caught the ball. So he springs back to first base trying to tag up. Problem was, Bellinger was already making his way to second. So chaos ensues on the field. It ends up being an RBI single. Bellinger's out, out. so it's a single, an RBI, and then he's recorded as out. Turner scores, a run comes off the board, and the defending World Series champions lose today to a probably 90, maybe 100 loss Colorado Rockies team. So get yourself online, look at the opening day bash, Miguel Cabrera, the opening day boner with Justin Turner. And um, you guys. imagine you guys saw those plays at this point.
2: I did. Justin Turner uh, bookending his offseason with poor decision-making. End, it's either ended. COVID
0: haze, or he got into that good stuff here in Colorado, and he was a little bit not at the ballpark today.
2: Yeah, a little, a little, little higher field. than a mile high,
1: huh? I, I, to be fair to Justin Turner, Tapia did have that ball in his glove, and he lost it over the the, the fence. But he just kind of put his head down and sprinted. Like I saw it, he put it down, just sprinted back towards first. Uh, and then the Cabrera Very one, funny. You know, future Hall of Famer, pretty cool. I didn't realize it was that cold out there, snowing out there in Cleveland and, and lake or, or or Detroit. Excuse no, me, Detroit. Lake
2: effect is no joke.
1: Yeah, and and he put it out there, and, and uh, uh, nice for him on an opening day, one of his probably final ones.
0: Yeah, our buddy Kern was uh, celebrating out there in Lansing as his boy Miggy uh, hit the home run, but a very cool imagery just with the snow coming down. Um, They play tough baseball up there in Detroit. And uh, like you said, Jeremy, last couple years haven't been great for Miggy, but it's been a Hall of Fame career and just cool. Cool to see it. But watch that clip from Coors Field. Uh, John Boy with an awesome breakdown of it today. Very, very funny stuff. And uh, just one of those things where I got a text from a buddy going, What the hell just happened
1: with Justin Turner? That's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And uh, it's worth checking out. I feel like the White Sox did that recently, either last year or the year before. Uh, Jose, on a Jose Hebreu homer, he, he crossed somebody up and it ended up being an RBI single. I feel like that happened pretty recently with the White Sox.
0: Well, we'll be back here soon, either at the end of this Pirates series or maybe at the end of the Brewers series. We'll come back and just periodically be doing shows here over the course of the season. But, Jeremy, I'm glad you had a good time freezing your ass off at the ballpark today. Randall, have a good time Monday night. I'll say hi to Madison Bumgarner for all of us on Wednesday night. And we'll be back soon here with another edition of Behind the Yellow Line. Hopefully, the next time we're together, there's a W on the board for the Cubs. So, fingers crossed that's the case. And we'll see you next time here on the show.